Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear hotline, like Joe Namath today. Alabamans smiling all over the place. You know Joe will be celebrating. He'll be live in a half hour. Greg McElroy today. Paul Feinbaum today. Sal Pal on the Philly fallout. All that and a whole lot more, but there's only one place to start. Let's get right to it. Here we go! Only one place to start. Bama bludgeons the Buckeyes and Saban with his seventh national championship. Last year they said the dynasty was over. We don't stop. We just keep reloading. We came and dominated. All hail the kings of college football. All hail the greatest coach of all time. And all hail the most meaningful championship ever won in the history of the sport. That is where I begin today. People have talked about an asterisk. We all know what the asterisk means in sports. The asterisk is what some people wanted to put next to Roger Maris in the record book when he broke Babe Ruth's record because he played more games. The asterisk is what people want to put next to Barry Bond's name in the record book because they think he juiced to break a lot of sacred records. That's what asterisks mean. Asterisks have a negative connotation in sports. I've never heard asterisks used in a positive way. But here is what I say. I say yes. There is an asterisk next to this one for Alabama and for the sport because it means more than all the others put together. I begin today by congratulating every single person, not just from Alabama and not just the players and the coaches, but every person across the sport who made this happen this year because it is little short of a miracle that it did. I sat on my television show, Get Up, all summer long, and we had conversation after conversation. Will we have a season? Can they possibly do it? Can they possibly force the college kids? We used the words force. Can they force them to be on campus if the other students aren't? Can they make these kids into essential workers? And you know what the kids did? They got up and they said, we want to play. We are willing to put ourselves through whatever it is that is required. We want to be out there. We will make the sacrifices that are necessary. These athletes are used to being treated like gods, like kings on their own campuses. They're heroes. They're celebrities. This year they had to live like monks. I was going to use a different word. It probably would seem inappropriate. They had to live. They had to be sequestered. They had to be quarantined in a, in a not a literal but a figurative sense and sometimes literally tested constantly, being extraordinarily careful. And they made the sacrifice. Why? Because they wanted to. No one could make them. All of them had the opportunity to opt out. And some of them did. And there's no criticism for those kids today at all. But these kids played because they wanted to play. And candidly, I found it inspiring. This 53-year-old cynic was inspired by what I saw from these kids this year. Because for all the conversations I've had about how they deserve to be paid in name, image, and likeness, and all the others, and I apologize for none of it, and I stand by it all, and I still think it. But the reality is, these kids showed you that they play first and foremost because they love it, and they want to. And it was inspiring to me. And so I congrats, I tip my cap to every single player in college football this year, to their coaches, to their support staff, And maybe most of all to their families, the sacrifices that were made this year to make this season happen were candidly inspirational. 
Now, as far as the team itself and how good they were, I, I don't even really know where to begin. They were extraordinary. I can read you, and it'll take me a moment to do it, I can read you all the different things that they accomplished this year that separates them from everybody else. But it was like one record after another of what they were able to do. Just simply remarkable. And I will find it for you here in a moment. But they broke basically every record there is. They destroyed everybody. They were unstoppable, unbeatable, and candidly, you couldn't take your eyes off them. They were just that kind of good. So congratulations to Alabama. Congratulations to Devontae Smith. They could not cover him last night or candidly all year long. The question I'm asking, and I guess I could say I'm asking this for a friend, is did that kid make himself the number two pick in the draft? He may have. He was that good. He is unstoppable. Hurt the fingers a little bit at the end of the game. That shouldn't have anything to do with anything. People are going to pick him apart because he's small. But he's also awesome. The speed, the athleticism, the toughness, the catch he makes on the sideline where he makes an NFL catch, not just one but two feet down. All the motion they use last night to get him, to scheme him open. You put that player in a good, smart, creative offense, orchestrated by a good, smart, creative offensive coach, like Steve Sarkeesian is, by the way, the offensive coordinator in Alabama, who deserves a lot of credit for how good they looked last night. You put Devontae Smith in that, he's going to be a special player in the NFL, plus the returns and everything else he can do. So does he go three to the Dolphins and you reunite him with Tua? Dare I ask, does he go two to the Jets? That would surprise me, but I don't think it would bother me. So that's where we start. We start with Devontae Smith. We work our way to Mac Jones. I told you about two weeks ago, I love him. Mac Jones, the quarterback at Alabama, I love him. And here's what you may not know about Mac Jones. Mac Jones graduated from Alabama in two and a half years with a 4.0 GPA. He has a master's degree now. And if you watch him play, you can see the intelligence. You know, sometimes we put all these measurables into the hat here. How fast is he? How strong is he? How can he jump? You know what else you can measure? Intelligence. And intelligence, in my opinion, is the most underappreciated thread of commonality amongst all great players in all sports. I've been around so many of them. And what separates them is the intelligence. And that kid is smart. So I like him. People are projecting him to be a mid-first-round pick. Let's see. He's got a big arm, and he's super smart. So I like Mac Jones a lot. But to save the straight talk today, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, for the greatest of them all. And that is Nick Saban, who almost was willing to smile last night in discussing what this championship meant for him, for his players, and for the program. And maybe for all of us. If you listen to the show, you know I know Nick a little bit. I have him on pretty regularly. And I admire him greatly. Because I think he gets it. He's put together a machine. But if you were listening at the end of Get Up today, and we will have Paul Feinbaum on talking about this a little later as well. This is a guy who makes it about the players. First and foremost. He doesn't get all these kids by accident. So Nick Saban, last night, I think orchestrated the greatest championship of all time. And he is the greatest coach in college football history. And it isn't close. He already was. This just seals the argument. The questions now are about his place among all the great coaches in the history of American team sports. Whatever names you want to throw in there, Wooden and Lombardi and Belichick and Auerbach and Phil and Krzyzewski and Oriema 
and all the other names you want to throw in. In fact, our researcher, my researcher, Hembo, put together a, a terrific tweet. I'm now going to read to you all the names of all of the coaches who won six championships in the span of 12 seasons or fewer. Saban is the only one to do it in college football. John Wooden is the only one to do it in men's college basketball. Gino Oriema and Pat Summit did it in women's college basketball. Casey Stengel and Joe McCarthy, the managers in baseball. Phil Jackson, Red Auerbach in the NBA. Toe Blake, the only coach in the NHL, and no one has ever done it in the NFL, winning six championships in the span of 12 seasons or fewer. Nick Saban is in rarefied air. He is the greatest coach in the history of his sport and one of the greatest coaches, and you could probably make a fairly convincing argument for him at the very top of the greatest coaches in the history of American team sports. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. One of the players who played for him will join me coming up. Greg McElroy will break down everything that we saw in the game yesterday. Then don't miss Joe Namath later today. It is also, by the way, the anniversary, the 52nd, dare I say it, anniversary of the day Joe Namath and the Jets won the Super Bowl. So we'll check in with Joe today. The green list is a good one today. we got to get to Philly with the latest on Doug Peterson, so we are jam-packed. It seems the bigger the stage, the better he plays. He has that alpha, that Mamba mentality. And Deep down the middle. Open man is Devontae Smith. Touchdown. You don't know what to try to take away because he's so good at everything. Uh, Devontae Smith was ridiculous last night. The Heisman winner. Greeny with you here. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Greg McElroy joining me on the Goodyear Hotline. And full disclosure. You might have heard at the beginning of the show, I was trying to find you a bunch of stats, and I couldn't find them on my phone. That's my fault. (laughs) So let me read them to you quickly here, just about different ways they rewrote the record books, this Alabama team. It's on ESPN Stats and Info's Twitter page, but they scored more points per game than any team in SEC history. Saban's seventh championship is the most in history. Devontae Smith broke basically every receiving record in the conference. Mac Jones had the highest career completion percentage in Division I history, and Najee Harris, the running back, had the most touchdowns in SEC history. So offensively, they basically rewrote the record books. Greg McElroy, you played quarterback for Nick Saban. What words would you use to describe what this offense was this year in college football? Flawless, unstoppable. I mean, every single adjective I can describe that I would look up in the thesaurus and and think to myself, that's the greatest offense I think I've ever seen. I mean, it, it really was. And I'm not really don't, and Greeny, I really try, really try not to be a prisoner of the moment. You've known me long enough now. I really try hard not to be. But how can we not look at a team that had the best offensive line in college football, the three weapons in the passing game that are absolutely unstoppable, Jalen Waddell went healthy, Devontae Smith, who might be one of the best college wide receivers of all time, And then, of course, what we've seen from Najee Harris coming out of the backfield, as well as a receiver, had another touchdown catch last night. I mean, it's an unstoppable group. And then you couple that with the fact that they can pound the football. And Mac Jones, who is deadly accurate and has found his way into the first round for the upcoming NFL draft, and his stock likely only going to climb from this point forward. It was unstoppable last night. And, And they were so far ahead of Ohio State in every possible way. Now, I thought Ohio State had a much better chance of keeping it competitive because I thought they'd replicate the performance they had against Clemson. It wasn't even close. I mean, that was a complete beatdown of a very good football team, and it's a testament to what Alabama's built and the firepower they have offensively and the defensive 
I guess, ability for them to kind of create some issues for the opposing offense by way of great defensive mismatches like Christian Barmore in the trenches who made himself a lot of money last night as well. So let me ask you this, because you played for him. I find Saban just a fascinating person. Everything about him I find interesting. You played for him and won a championship. How would you describe what it's like playing for him? (laughs) It's a unique experience, Greeny. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't acknowledge, I mean, you see the demonstrative and people, the dictator. I mean, you always hear about how he's been described by people in Miami after his run-in with Miami Dolphins for their for a couple of years. And, and obviously the way he left LSU and the way he's constantly being on camera and being critical and scowling and never smiling, all these other things. But what you don't see behind the scenes is Nick Saban, he's a scale. The team is on one side of the scale. The other side of the sale is Nick Saban. So when the team is feeling great about themselves, he'll cut them down. When the team is feeling horrible about themselves, he'll build them up. When the team is remarkably stressed like they've been this year, he'll find a way to keep things loose, keep them energized, keep them relaxed. And when a team is feeling a little bit too relaxed, in some ways maybe in the fountain blue, He'll send guys home on a Greyhound bus to send a message. (laughs) He has an unbelievable way of knowing exactly how to balance out his team the best way he knows how so that every single day when the team is waking up to go to practice, they're going to be as steady as humanly possible. That's why they haven't lost to a non-conference opponent since 2000, or excuse me, to an unranked opponent since 2007. That's why they've won 27 games against teams ranked in the top five, because every game to Nick Saban is the exact same. He expects the same performance from his team every single week, regardless of who the opponent is. So he plays up to his competition, and then even when he plays against competition that's far inferior, he still plays up. And it's just remarkable to see the the process at work last night and them putting their best foot forward in what was probably the most challenging season we can all recall as college football fans and analysts. Greeny and Greg McElroy with you here on ESPN Radio. Uh, quickly on the quarterbacks last night, uh, let's start with Justin Fields, who is going to hear his name called early on that Thursday night of the draft. What is your evaluation at this stage of it from him, and what do you expect from him in the pros? Well, I have concerns. I mean, I, I can't sit here and say last night, I know people will point to his ribs. I know people will point to the fact that he was less than stellar, had a hip point. I mean, there's all types of reports of him being less than 100%, understandably so. But I had doubts on him as a prospect, really based on how he played all year. And it wasn't just last night's performance. It was the performance against Indiana when he had three interceptions, the performance against Northwestern when he really struggled and they had to lean so heavily on the run game. I thought his performance against Clemson was maybe as good as I've seen from a quarterback this year. However, that was a one-time thing. You know what one-time things do to GMs? It gets them fired. Mm. So I get a little bit concerned about the projection because there are some things that you can easily fall in love with. He's a great person, high character, very physically gifted, big arm, throws a nice ball, and I think has the mobility and the athleticism that resembles Josh Allen, and everyone now is going to be looking for Pat Mahomes. If you can't find Pat Mahomes, perfect. We'll take a Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. And he has some of those characteristics, but he's kind of slow as far as his footwork's concerned. He's kind of deliberate. 
He's not outrageously accurate, and we all acknowledge the fact that he had a thumb injury and all this other stuff, sure. But the consistency and the ebbs and flows of his performance this year certainly didn't do him any favors. If anything, when people thought that it was a bit of a coin toss between him and Trevor Lawrence to see who was going to get their name called first in the NFL draft, that gap now is wider than the Red Sea. And then the question becomes not whether or not it's Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. It's now Justin Fields or Zach Wilson from BYU. And I think, according to many, Zach Wilson has probably overtaken Justin Fields in a lot of ways based on his performance this past year. So it's going to be a fascinating kind of evaluation of quarterbacks ranked two through five. That includes Trey Lance from North Dakota State and Mac Jones, who I think with a great 2020 has skyrocketed up the rankings. So it's going to be a really interesting three months as far as quarterback evaluation. I'm with you. I, I got one minute left for you here, but I, I do love having you break down the quarterbacks. For those of you who watch us on Get Up in the Morning, Greg has been doing a great job of that in the NFL all year. I want to ask you about Jones because there's a lot of things about him I really like. Um, through five touchdowns last night, what, what is the? I have a lot less time, but what is the evaluation quickly on him right now in your mind? Right now, Mac Jones is Nick Foles during the Super Bowl run. I mean, playing out of his mind at a ridiculously high level. The question is, can it be sustained, Greeny? I happen to think it can. I think he's more consistent than Nick Foles, and I think he's more of an absolute dog than Nick Foles. I think this guy won't be denied. So I would take a chance on him, especially if I can get him in the 20s, get that fifth-year option, put him with a pretty good supporting cast. I'll roll the dice on Mac Jones any day of the week based on what he did this season. And that's that's where uh, McShay is projecting him. You're right on as far as all that is concerned, and we have several months to work our way toward this. Greg, I always appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you soon. Sounds good, Greeny. Be good, brother. That's Greg McElroy with me here on ESPN Radio. And a reminder that this program, I'm with you every single day for two hours here, and I would love you to hang out as much as you can during those two hours. But, you know, you have a life, so if you're busy doing other things, you can catch up anytime you want because this is also a podcast. Each hour becomes its own podcast. It is called Hashtag Greeny, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, coming up, maybe the most famous Alabama alum ever is celebrating this morning. Joe Namath, live after this. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Back and better than ever. Greeny with you on this morning after the coronation. Alabama, once again, the kings of college football. And everybody who wears that crimson is celebrating today and none more than the most famous football player Alabama ever produced the Hall of Famer Joe Namath, who joins me here on the Goodyear Hotline. Congratulations, Joe. How are you this morning? Oh, Michael, I'm, I'm still getting goosebumps when I heard that music and heard you talk about it, buddy. Uh, 
it's always fun to win, and no doubt about that. It was a special night. Give me, set the scene for me. This this is a, a normal circumstance. You know, you would be there. You'd be honored and around the team and around the coaches and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, this was a year unlike any other. Give, give me a, a, a quick scene set on how Joe Namath watched this game last night. Well, I watched it with my uh, daughter and uh, – one grandchild, the other one went to sleep, and we had our <laughs> Alabama Crimson Tide jerseys on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica went to uh, Alabama also, my daughter, and I was on the phone uh, uh, quite a bit before talking with some friends, but uh, sat here, man, and just uh, enjoyed it. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, Ohio State could play, boy, and I figured it was going to be a solid four-quarter game. And uh, I, I've just tickled the way uh, the Tide played. And look, they just don't play like they used to back in your day or even early in Saban's day. What what do you think about as a quarterback yourself when you watch that offense and how explosive they are? What thoughts go through your mind? You hit it right on the head, Mike. I'm going to tell you, uh, the, the coach that is transferring, uh, Sharkazian, Sharkazian, our offensive coordinator, was – does things with that offense uh, that I've never seen before. I mean, for example, with the reverse motion, you know, going one way and then coming back the other way, just getting angles on the field, having set up defensive players to just lose a step or two. It is so beautiful to watch, and I know Colleges, pro ball is better than ever today. But the subtleties uh, and influencing the opposition and the players. But, Mike, none of this could have been accomplished without those big old horses up front on both sides of the ball. You know, Joe's had time to get those passes off, man, and those studs up front. That's, that's where it starts. The quarterbacks never forget to thank the offensive lineman. Joe Namath with me here on ESPN Radio. Let's talk about Nick Saban. Again, you played for the, the, the great legend for, for, for Bear Bryant, and, and that's always been the standard. And Nick, obviously, in a different generation, a different era, doing it in a different way. What are the right things to say about Nick Saban today after he wins his sixth title at Alabama and his seventh overall? Well, uh, first of all, I've known Nick since he was a coach at Michigan State heading mm-hmm. that program. And uh, I think uh, you guys, uh, uh, the folks that uh, talk about Coach Saban, they're right on. He's remarkable. He's a workhorse. And he uh, is wonderful to be around. Uh, he has a great personality. And, so you know, it's, it's, it's dry, man. He, he can be quick. He can be angry. And... Uh, he has all those things, and he accepts nothing less than uh, dedication and 100% effort. He convinces these parents when he goes to recruit them that he's going to look out for those children, and, and most head coaches do that. But uh, he, he, he's established himself and, and can recruit players that want to practice against the best opposition or the best talent you know they come to Alabama and they're learning every day out there at practice going against really quality players and it's just wonderful that he's there and you bring back a memory to me our old athletic director Mel Moore who was uh, quarterback on our team he was two years ahead of me 
I can remember Mel uh, hanging outside Nick's house down here in Miami when Nick, Nick was with the Dolphin. <laughs> Mel told me, he said, we got to get him. We have got to take him to Tuscaloosa. And, man, we're all so happy that we did get Coach Saban. Six championships in 14 seasons. Greeny and the great Joe Namath are here. I, I want to ask you about what this one means. You know, like this is such a different time for all of us, and, and, and we are all dealing with it sort of in our own ways. And this college football season, which was promised to no one, which in an honest moment I would tell you I didn't think we were going to get. I didn't know we'd get to the beginning of it, much less to the end of it. So you've, you've done a lot of winning in your life, and you've seen Alabama do a lot of winning lately. But considering the circumstances, what does this one mean? Well, first of all, let's go back. I want to go back and mention Coach Bryan again. You know, you you mentioned uh, Coach Saban having more national championships now than Coach Bryan, mm-hmm. and uh, we were lucky. We, we're fortunate to have two two great guys leading the program there. Now, Nick put it best uh, last night. I thought uh, maybe it was this morning when he said, because of the COVID, uh, because of these awful circumstances that these teams all around the country have experienced. He put this team at the top of his list. He said this team has won 10 SEC games. They played against 10 SEC opponents. Guys, you know, uh, were eligible, uh, and the COVID Nick even sat out, and everyone across the country is still dealing with this. It was a season that uh, was unique. And the guys hung together, and uh, he he said this, this this is the most satisfying. Or this team right here, because of what they've been through with this COVID, uh, you know, he's not diminishing what the other teams that have won national championships have done, but he's got a special place in his heart for this team. The great Joe Namath is with me here again. His beloved Alabama Crimson Tide winning another national championship. Uh, Joe, before I let you go, I I should wish you a happy anniversary. Today is 52 (laughs) years to the day that you and the New York Jets legendarily won Super Bowl three. And I just ask you, like, what does that mean to you now? And will you spend some time today on the phone with some of your old teammates? Like, what, what are your thoughts 52 years to the day later? Uh, now, you know what? Uh, I swear, uh, Mike, my daughter Jessica brought it up uh, last night. And you, you have, I have the memories, of course, my mind's eye. My, I, I, I can see my teammates, guys on the sideline. But I promise you, I miss the guys we don't have with us anymore. I promise you the guys that left us so early uh, that aren't still with us, uh, I think of them, and I know my teammates do. We, we have a lot of us left. And I just thought today, man, I hope somehow we can get together. The Jets over the years have brought us back as a group uh, to visit. And I hope, man, that they can do that again this year, the COVID I, Dang, I hope we get a handle on the COVID. But I, for all of us to get together again, it's it's so special. And uh, we especially miss the cats that left us already, man, you know. Mm. Uh, someday uh, we'll join them too. But uh, uh, it's the people, the people. And, and yeah, we did it. Uh, we, we sure as heck did it. 
Joe, you know I love you. Thanks a million. Congratulations on last night. We'll talk again soon. Be well. Thank you, Mike, for having me on, buddy. Stay well. The The great Joe Namath with me again on the anniversary of of the Jets winning the Super Bowl, which is, for the purposes of this conversation, important to him and me, (laughs) and on Alabama winning the championship, which uh, I think today is important to everybody. So uh, we have not yet gotten to the overwhelming NFL story of this day, but we will. That's coming up next. Paul Feinbaum is still coming. Sal Palantonio is still coming. So we will be busy as we continue on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Doug Peterson has been fired as the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. When it looks like you're not competing at the end of the season, when it seems that you've given up on your team, I just think a total failure by this team. Well, I suppose you could say Doug Peterson now has his freedom from Philadelphia, and I'm not 100% sure that isn't the best thing that could happen to him or exactly how he wanted yesterday to go. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, and I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. So Doug Peterson fired yesterday and the owner got up there and did a whole bunch of verbal mishmash just to put together like a word salad that essentially added up to the following. Doug Peterson is no longer the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles because they chose the quarterback over him. It is that simple. They have hitched their horse to the wagon whose name is Carson Wentz. Now I want to make it 100% clear. I don't know that that's the wrong thing to do. Carson Wentz has extraordinary talent. He was drafted number two overall for a reason. He was playing MVP caliber football at one time in his career for a reason. So it's in there. It's in him. He also was supplanted not once but twice by his backups for a reason. Was benched this year for a reason. Refused to talk to the media after the season. Was a healthy scratch the last game of the season for a reason. And Doug Peterson is out now for, I think, some variation on the same reason. At the end of the day, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz could not be on the team again. This was not something that I think, if you look at it that way, comes as a surprise. We heard the stories time and again from Shefty and Mort over the last few weeks of the season. Carson Wentz is unhappy. He's unhappy with the way he was benched. He's unhappy with the way it's being dealt with. Again, a healthy scratch the last week of the season. It really probably did come down. You'll never know all of the details. 
But at the end of the day, it's very hard to look at it and not say it basically came down to him or me. Carson Wentz basically saying it's either him or me. And while Doug Peterson might actually be better at his job right now than Wentz is at his, they're financially tied to Wentz in ways that would be excruciating to extricate themselves from. So in that regard, it's kind of an easy decision that they had to make. Doesn't mean it's the right one, but it's the easy one. So here then become the questions. Who wants that job? Do the Eagles become a highly desirable job? And the answer for most of the obvious reasons is no. They're in salary cap hell. They have a terrible aging roster where they're mostly bad in a lot of places. They have comparatively few good young players, and they have a full-fledged quarterback controversy on their team. So all of those are reasons you don't want any part of that job. But there's one big reason that people will. And that is there's no one more egotistical, no one in my experience in 30 years covering sports, no one more egotistical than the football coach. The football coach that looks at Carson Wentz, sees all the talent we've talked about and says, I have the key that unlocks that. I can be the guy who makes Wentz the player he clearly has it in him to potentially be. I can fix this. He sells that to the owner. That's exactly what the owner wants to hear. So that guy gets hired and away they go. Whether he can actually do it or not is something we find out in the future. But in the immediate, in the present, what Jeffrey Lurie wants to hear is, I love Carson Wentz and I'm the guy who can make him a star. Now, where does that leave Jalen Hurts? Nowhere good. That doesn't leave Jalen Hurts anywhere good if he wants to play. This organization has now committed itself to Carson Wentz. So he's going to be their quarterback. All this talk about him going to Indianapolis to be reunited with Frank Reich, well, forget it. All of that is done. In the game of quarterback musical chairs that is going to go on this offseason, Carson Wentz has his seat. He's sitting in Philly. He's not going anywhere. Could Jalen Hurts leave? Probably. And the reason I say that is because when you walk in there as the coach, do you want to deal with what is obviously a quarterback controversy? All of us watching saw Jalen Hurts play better with those players than Carson Wentz did. So you're probably not doing anyone, including Wentz, any favors if you keep Hurts there. So maybe they trade Hurts. To who? Who knows? What he gets back for you at this point, I'm really not sure. But one way or another, it's clear to me, Wentz and Peterson could not coexist. And I'm not sure why, if you made your bet in this case on Wentz, that you would keep Jalen Hurts. So that's the way I look at that situation. The other part of it here is the Doug Peterson part of it. Does he jump right back into coaching? I immediately thought he would be a very attractive candidate for the Jets. Everything I'm hearing from the people who cover this stuff, again, I don't have inside sources, but I have access to people who do. Everything I'm hearing from those people is that it is very unlikely. Doug Peterson will actually be the subject of today's green list. A little later, I will name for you the five greatest NFL coaches or the five greatest second chance NFL coaches in the history of the sport. The coaches who accomplished the most in their second head coaching jobs. Because I believe Doug Peterson is an excellent coach. Now, he completely mishandled the end of his season. I will never not be critical of that. But you also have to be reasonable. In a world where reason seems to be the first casualty of everything, let's be reasonable. One bad half does not undo what was otherwise, I think, a very good coaching tenure. 
He made one mistake I hate. He also beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in a Super Bowl. So you do the math. So he's an excellent football coach. And I think when he decides he wants to get back in, and the people I'm talking to are telling me they're not sure he wants to go right back in, when he does, I think there'll be a job out there for him. Meanwhile, one more thing I wanted to mention here. The Scoop. The Scoop from Shefty today. I saw this on Twitter. One of the names everyone is continuously referencing is the name Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern football fame, who, by the way, finished top 10 in the country this year, 10th in the final AP poll. So congratulations to Fitzy and all those players. But this is a a tweet from Shefty. Multiple NFL teams have inquired about Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald, and to date, as of right now, he has not agreed to any of the interviews per source. That's a tweet from Shefty. What that means, I know a lot of people who believe Fitzy, he's a Chicago kid, he's from the south suburbs, that maybe that's the job he's waiting out. Maybe he's not interested in going to the NFL at all. As I told you yesterday, I don't ask him. Because I would, I would not keep it a secret. I will never keep a secret from you. If you're listening to me on the radio, I'm going to tell you what I know. So I told Fitzy, don't tell me anything I shouldn't tell everyone. So I'll know when you know what he decides to do. Paul Feinbaum next, ESPN Radio. Coming up today on Barton Hahn, okay, I'll admit it, Devontae Smith left no doubt about the Heisman. Meanwhile, another quarterback draft will be pushing into the NFL. What veterans might be most affected? And the NBA faces its first COVID challenge starting at noon Eastern on Barton Hahn, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus.